Hey guys, welcome to Devour, the podcast for the hungry entrepreneur. On today's weekly episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to Fabian Gerhalter, who is a brand strategist, founder, and principal of Finian. You're going to want to stick around for this one because we'll be talking about his journey building a brand consultancy agency, his unique approach to design education, and just generally having a fantastic conversation about brand and design. And that's, that's where branding is today. And that's where advertising is because advertising doesn't exist in the old form anymore. It's really just an extension of branding. So make sure you stick around till the end. This is a good one. All right. So today we have Fabian Gerhalter, uh, who's the founder and principal of Finian, uh, which is a Los Angeles based branding agency. He's a columnist for um, uh, magazines and articles and platforms like Forbes Inc. And he's also been published in places such as the Washington Post, Mashable Entrepreneur, and the Huffington Post. Um, he's the number one best-selling um, seller on Amazon for multiple books and also a speaker. And um, at heart, uh, Fabian, we could agree that your, your, your love and your passion is uh, brand strategy. Um, so for, for those that are listening, I'd love to kind of get an insight of what you believe brand strategy is. And then um, if we could go back to the beginning for you, like how did this all come together? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I people ask me all the time, what what does branding mean to you? What is brand strategy? And I, I try not to have a coined, you know, answer. So, what what is brand strategy to me today? <laughs> Middle of July, twenty twenty one. It's always changing. You know, I mean, it feels like it feels like it, it's a seasonal thing. <laughs> well, I think it really depends on who I worked with in the past days and kind of like you know what I wrote or how I look at it. I mean, look, brand strategy fundamentally is is really the positioning of a company, right? Um, in in the face of of the client, and I really I really see it as, you know, there's a business plan and then there's a brand plan, right? Everyone has a business plan, even if it's just on a napkin, but no one has a brand plan. <laughs> At least most of the startups you talk to didn't have a brand plan. Well, they so, think they have they think they have one, but they 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 lack some detail. Yeah. Well, well, they might have a marketing plan, right? Which is great. They might, you know, know how to push out social and that's fantastic. But really, you know, like, like the idea of what is, what is the emotional part of your product and your solution? And how do you not sell, but how do you, how do you get, how do you align that product or service on an emotional level um, with a specific audience and really going deep into that. And that, that's brand positioning, but that's, uh, you know, I always go back to Simon Sinek's why, because somehow he seems to, it's his idea to ask the question why, but I mean, obviously it's been around forever, right? But that idea of why, you know, like, like, well, why will people deeply care about it? Why are you uniquely capable to actually, you know, you know, to, to start this brand or to be this brand or to lead this brand. Um, those are all, those are all the questions. And really, I mean, you see it behind me on, on, on the wall, right? <laughs> that, that little saying of mine, if you don't have soul infused into your venture, you will always be a product, but never a brand. I totally read this by the way, which is very convenient <laughs> because it's right there. Um, you know, it's really, convenient. it's really about infusing yeah. the soul, right? And that's, and that's what branding is, right? The rest is advertising and marketing and all of that good stuff, but really that soul of a brand you have to you have to get out of it that's that to me yeah. is super exciting i'm getting i'm getting goosebumps because um we just had a meeting with our team back about two weeks ago and um we're, we're in the middle of rebranding our agency from victory front to to rival and one of the things we wrote down that was really meaningful to our team is we wrote down that everything that we do needs to be soulful 
Um, that's actually one of our company values and people are like soulful, like, what do you mean? And, and, and we just meant that we want to give our entire heart to, to every client we work with and care about their brand as much as we possibly can, because yeah, only, only then can we really start to appreciate the businesses that we work with and, and their clients. I like what you said though, about how, you know, brand strategy is, is really understanding and identifying someone's, you know, why and purpose in the market, in the market because I guess consumers are looking at the brand and going, well, why do you exist? Why should I care? What what values do you have that I can align with? Uh, I know we talked about, you talk about Gen Z a lot uh, and, and how that's changing the brand game. But um, but yeah, I guess to, to dive back into your origin story, like how did this even come into fruition? Like how did you end up finding yourself as a principal of one of the world leading brand agencies? Like how do you go from, you know, uh, that, that beginning to, to where you are now? Like, and if you could take us through that. Yeah, I love that you call us one of the world leading brand agencies. I mean, if anything, we are brand consultancy because we're really small now, right? But it's uh, but but that story is you know is, is of interest maybe also to someone like you and your listeners who are who are building uh, agencies, right? I know you've got a pretty pretty good um, you know it it it's it's from small it turns into into medium size uh, you know your your agency. So congratulations on that. Um, I mean, going back. Uh, you know, all the way, right? I mean, I'm a kid, kid in Vienna, Austria, right? Um, I had I had two career paths to choose from. One was more of a dream, which was snowboarding, and the other one was graphic design. Uh, my parents uh, obviously didn't want their son to be killed in a half pipe, so they were eagerly trying <laughs> to get me into graphic design. Um, I, of course, wanted the opposite. You know, I'm like, let's go. So. There's this really cool thing, and I love telling the story because I think it's really fascinating. Um, and I think there's actually a startup idea right in there for someone who wants to pick it up. Um, because we were kind of like going back and forth between these two um, paths, um, my mother said, look, um, there's a career psychologist or psychotherapist or whatever, like a person that helps you find your career. And he goes through one day of tests, intelligence tests, um, you know, like all kinds of like, you know, right brain, left brain, all of that stuff. And what was so fascinating, I mean, it was a it was a freaking scary experience, you know, for like a 17 year old you know, to, to like to like go through all of these tests. But in the end, you basically have a chart. Right. And it's, it's just a graph. Right. And he took that graph and he was totally he was totally out of it. He's like, look, this is like one of the first times in my 40 year career that I've got two graphs that are almost identical. And he took these two graphs and put them on top of each other, you know, and said, look, this is exactly the same. And we're of course like, well, who is this other person, right? What what will Fabian become, right? Um, and he said, well, he's an he's an art director in New York City, and here I am in Vienna, a kid in Vienna. I'm like, what, you know? And so it's pretty amazing because fast forward four years, I'm a creative director in Los Angeles, right? And so, um, you know, basically my mother won the game. Um, I went to Art Center College of Design, which is also where that art director in New York, who I never met, but where he also went to. Um, I went to Art Center College of Design in Switzerland. Uh, sure enough, a year into my studies, the campus closed and they had a sister campus in Los Angeles. And that's how I, I would have never come to the US to be totally honest. I, I was, it didn't interest me whatsoever, right? So suddenly I had to move to the US to finish my studies. Long story short, you know, afterwards I want to get some experience, became a creative director, um, you know, so studying graphic design and then I became a creative director um, at, a, at, at a really, uh, you know, small kind of events oriented pharmaceutical place, very dry work, but awesome for me because I loved the challenge, you know, of working with like Pfizer and Liliaikas. And literally one of my first projects was to work with Viagra. 
And here I am, I'm like 21, 22 years old, right? I'm like, I'm like okay, <laughs> what's that? Why would, why would I need that, right? So, so I, work with, I work with Faison and Lily Eikos and all those people. And then afterwards the internet came around and, uh, you know, and, and I, I started to push uh, into interactive and I worked for an interactive agency for three years um, on the Acura account. And then the minute that my green card came in, uh, I'm like, okay, that's it, goodbye, I quit. And they're like, of course you will. And I'm like, bye. And I started my own uh, agency. Um, and I, I started it with, uh, I started it out of Venice Beach with uh, with one intern. Um, and she, she was super persistent. She came from Rhode Island uh, School of Design. And she said, I really want to work for you. And I'm like, I hope you understand. I'm like in this tiny little, you know, garage loft and I've got a bathtub in the corner and there's a cat running around. You really want to intern for me? And she's like, yes, I do. I do have a cat allergy, but we'll figure that out. She, uh, she is now the head of product at, uh, at, at Uber, um, you know, at Uber wow. Eats. Um, That's amazing. And she, she, yeah. she was at Google and everything. She was my first intern and then sure, she became my first employee. She became my first creative director. Um, and I hired people ever since, you know, for, for a good 12 years. And I was running this agency. And then at some point, at some point I realized something that hopefully you will never realize or maybe you will but I basically I was a complete micromanager I don't think I was a bad manager but I was a micromanager so I could not hire a middle you know middle management I could just not I tried I failed because you know as a designer you've got this huge ego and everything has to be perfect and you know, and great. And why would I, why would I hire project managers? And why would I hire people like that? And I, I very much failed at getting that middle management and getting past this like 12 people hump to like grow to 20 people or so. Um, and that's when I hired a gentleman by the name of David C. Baker. Um, and, uh, and he came in and he helped me, you know, flip, flip the agency into, into a consultancy. Um, you know, so now I've got we're two employees strong. I'm one, and then I've got one other um, who's uh, who's the designer. She's like the lead lead creative. Uh, she works on all the naming. She works on all of the uh, all of the uh, design. I do all of the strategy, um, sales, and the big thinking. You know, some some you know all of the vision stuff. And it is pretty awesome. I'm loving it like this. I'm super happy with it being a consultancy because we can handpick our clients. I can say no all the time, right? Um, I have time to write the books and uh, financially it was a really sound, you know, move as well. Um, so that's yeah. the quick story, I guess, in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Thank you. I really, yeah, I really admire that. So yeah, you, you, you obviously, uh, the, the cool thing is that I love people that were involved in branding pre-internet because they got to see this really weird, awkward, clunky, like transition period. Um, and I think that fascinates me. So I'd like to rewind to that part. And then I would like to come back to, um, yeah, when, when the, uh, when the agency started to change and, and how, how strategy became such a big component for you, I'd love to dive more into that, but yeah, to rewind, like when, when, when you were running, um, and the agency and doing creative directing around that period, you know, you left, um, you know, working for companies like Viagra and Pfizer, which I think is, is amazing. What, what did you see happen in the industry? Like, how did you see branding shift from pre-internet to internet? Like, what were the biggest changes that you observed happen in the marketplace? I mean, it's, I mean, in simple terms, it's, 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 it's automation, right? That started very, very quickly, right? I mean, in the first couple of years of the internet, it was, it was, you know, minuscule, right? But you were able to write emails instead of letters. And I mean, think about that. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I, when I started my agency, I had a fax machine, right? You know, I had cur couriers come over with like signed contracts and like, I mean, it, it was such a totally different world when it comes to that. And, you know, I mean, it started with, with, with email and, you know, like, you know, 
go, going back to a month, a month ago or two months ago, um, I didn't have a need for an assistant anymore because I have Calendly, right? <laughs> Dot IO or whatever it is, right? So <laughs> it's like between, between, you know, automating to, to where we are right now with AI and everything. I mean, seeing this happen is just absolutely amazing, right? And I mean, I worked in print design. I mean, that was it, right? It was, it was all print design. So I worked, you know, with, with, with varnishes and with, with die cuts and with like actual tangible things, which I'm sure is also a reason why I love writing books now, because I still love to actually see these physical. And I see in the back, in the back of, of you, there's a no, no shortage of books uh, in, in your office either. Um, no, I got a few. <laughs> <laughs> this is really so, you know, I, I think that design, there, there's something really beautiful about the tangible nature of design. And I'm, I'm really blessed that I, that I grew up, you know, studying when literally the first Mac came out, right? I mean, you know, when I, when I moved from uh, Switzerland to the US, I had my, you know, whatever, 9100 or whatever the Macintosh was back then. I had it shipped to the US and I had to wait two months to get access to my computer. <laughs> Oh right. God. And I mean, it didn't, it didn't yeah. fit the regular car. You had to like figure out how do you get this thing in there? Right. Because the monitor was huge. The, the, everything was, and I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Right. Where now I don't even know if your background is real. I don't even know where you are. You might wear underwear. I mean, it's just awesome. Right. Like, I mean, where we can be now and what we can do and how everything has changed. Um, it's, 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 it's remarkable. Right. But from a design and brand perspective, do you think it's easier for people to get their hands into branding now perhaps than, I, I feel oh, I feel like I feel like when you, when you began your journey, you had to go to to art school and you had to, you know, you had to get you had to understand how ink worked and how print worked. And now you can just open up Photoshop or, or any any software program and just start Canva stuff. Yeah, Canva. yeah, yeah. yeah mean, like no, I, you know, yeah. you get a you get a Squarespace site and you start Canva and suddenly you're a designer. And then you know, and look, I, I think there's something really positive about that, and then there's something really negative about it, right? Like with okay. most of those movements, um, you know, and I mean. The positive is, you know, you know, free fall, right? I mean, it's great. It empowers people to have less shitty PowerPoint presentations. And that's awesome, right? And it empowers people to share their content where otherwise they maybe would have not. On the other hand, many people shouldn't share their content and they think they should, right? <laughs> you know, which is a different story, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know>? too many. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so on the, on, the, on the one hand, that happens, you know, but, but you know, on, on the other hand, it, 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 it's also, you know, you have people design their own sites and sites and they shouldn't. You, you see brands launch in really mediocre ways where they really shouldn't launch that way, right? Um, you know, so there's a lot of that going on. And, you know, I mean, you said, you know, like I had to go to art school. I actually really wanted to go to graphic design school, to communication design school, which at that place, there was one in London and one, and one in Switzerland. You know, that, that was it in Europe, in all of Europe, right? So, I mean, just that idea and the amount of money you had to spend and to go through all of that. Um, but I do believe that there's a difference in how that training and how that schooling, you know, you know, how people, what it does to people, right? Um, I really think so. That doesn't mean that I'm superior than, than, than self-trained designers, not at all, right? But I think there's a different, there's a different kind of background that becomes part of it. Um, and I, I, for one, cherish it, but I also think that design education is completely broken. And if I would be starting up right now, I would never go to design school. You know, I would most probably do what most people do and that's self, self-taught. But with mm. self-taught, it's very difficult to then know, 
you know, like how, 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 how much did you teach yourself, right? You and I were talking prior, prior to starting recording about all these courses that you take, you know, and you don't just take one course and say, that's it, I'm trained, but you take three, four courses and then you take the best pieces out of it and you make it yours and you keep evolving, right? Which that's why there was the idea of like three-year college or whatever it is, right? Because you have to go through all of these, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I think I think because when it comes to like three years of, of of college, there's that commitment. There's that you know you have a professor that's constantly battering your work, challenging you to become better. You have peers that you're competing with, so I, I think yeah, culturally, like just by osmosis, the environment someone would be in, I guess, would would have a lot of benefits. Um, but I, I agree with you that many things are even still broken with that. Like we 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 hire creatives, and I'm forever looking at portfolios that. I'm astonished that that's all they have after four years, you know? So yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to if touch would, on that. It, but yeah. yeah. I mean, if they would be an entrepreneur for four years, they would have much more to show. Right. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. they, you know, they would, they would, they would do so much more. Right. And even just yeah. from a design perspective, all the stuff that they would push out then, and, and that is a big problem, right. With, with the academic versus the practitioners, right. You know, it's, you know, you have to have practitioners, in academia, but it's hard to get practitioners into academia because academia doesn't pay as much for practitioners as if they're out there in the field. And that to me is the big problem, right? Because I would love to go back to, to teach. And, and I taught at Art Center for a couple of years, but mm. it's just not enough pay for the time and it doesn't make sense. And I only teach 20 people, right? And back to Chris Doe's story, right? I mean, that's Chris, that was Chris Doe's thing. It's like, why teach 20 people in an hour instead of teaching a hundred thousand on YouTube in an hour. I mean, it just mm. makes sense. And while you sleep and around the clock. Yeah. And I agree yeah. with you. I think, I think we're in this interesting era where we're now moving into the era of, you know, creative creativity is just so much more embraced than it was perhaps in business 10 years ago. Um, so moving into, I guess, more about strategy now, like obviously you had, you had the agency and um, you, you, you like to be involved in all the projects. So you found it difficult to go beyond 12 people. And I agree with you. I, I, I'm finding similar challenges in an agency trying to, trying to remove myself from, from certain projects um, and trying to I'll just trust my team and allow them to do their best. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's hard to not to chime, not to chime in. Um, I'm very blessed. Um, shout out to Jared. Jared's my, my creative director and he, d he does a wonderful job uh, with the team and, and has given me a lot of time back, which is great. So I'm kind of on my way to solving that problem. Um, but I, I can, I can, I can share in, uh, the appreciation of how difficult that might be. So, but when you transition, I guess it's, it's almost like a different, um, an entirely different thing going from running an agency to consulting with, with businesses. And I know you worked with some of the biggest businesses out there. Um, how did you find that transition? And, and you know, we, obviously you're, you're happier for it. And yeah, what does what your day-to-day -day look like when it comes to, you know, running a consultancy firm versus running the agency? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, as far as the transition goes, you know, at some point, at some point during the agency, I decided that I should just not design anymore even though that's my passion and I loved it and I won, you know, tons of awards. And it's really, I mean, I just thought that that's what, that's what I'm supposed to do in life. Um, but I, I, I went more hands off and I, and I gave that to other people and that was huge. That was really good, right? That was healthy because I could focus on the business and, you know, I can kind of like creative direct and really do that hands off. That took, you know, a good 20 years to get there, like 15 years. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and, and then and then I realized, you know, we, we did a lot of design work, a lot of brand work, but we never really did a 
deep dive into the business problem, right? Clients came over and they just said, hey, I need a logo. And I'm like, awesome, let's go, right? Ask five questions, let's go, right? Or I need this and we're like, let's go. And, you know, as I grew as a human, right? And, and as, I, as I grew intellectually, um, you know, with, with the agency, I started to realize that that's just not, not enough, right? I, I want to change businesses. I want to have a say. I want to, you know, like move them into certain directions. Um, and that's when I started working with a brand strategist on a project. And she kind of opened my mind where I'm like, wow, these are huge questions she's asking. And it, this really, you know, moves the needle. I was just still scared. I would have never done it myself. I'm like, oh my God, right? Um, you know, sitting in that room with the C-suite and like, like, I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not it yet. Right. Um, but as I worked on that transformation, I knew into a consultancy, I knew that I want to lead, I want to lead with the thought process, right. And not the outcome. Um, and in order to do that, I need to create a really good framework. Um, and so I kind of like started to take a lot of like best practices that I saw around and back then there weren't, there weren't, even though it's really only eight, nine, maybe 10 years ago, but there weren't, you know, brand strategy courses floating around online like they are now, right? And even now they're only like a handful or two handfuls, right? But, you know, at least serious ones, right? Um, but, you know, like back then I just had to kind of like really scour, you know, from people like what is the best process, create my own process. I started with three hour workshops, you know, um, you know, and I charged very little for it. And I just started to do this as part of my design work. Right. And then at some point I, 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 I really had this down of like, it needs to be a full day and I need to charge accordingly. And every time I did it, people afterwards told me, Hey, you got to, you got to charge more than $5,000 for that day. It really changed the company. And then you got to charge more than $8,000. And then it's like, you got to charge more than 10,000, right? It's like, currently I'm on 12,000. Right. But it's like, you know, because I started realizing that when all these decision makers come into the same room, maybe a zoom room or a real room. Right. Um, and for eight hours straight, all they think about is brand really, you know, like, like, what is that? Why? And where do we need to go with the company? And how does that affect people and culture and values and all of that? I mean, it transforms companies, right? And I just absolutely love that. And so to your other question of how, how did my day to day change? I mean, you know, it's like now it's pretty much I'm doing another company on the site right now, which is which is starting to take over a little bit. But usually it was very like nine to five. You know, it's it's very it's you know, it's a nice mixture of me being able to write and think and give interviews and, you know, have client work where, you know, I'm, I'm on phone calls, um, do these uh, do these brand clarity workshops, which before the pandemic, they used to be um, in person. And that was just absolutely awesome, right? Because there were literally months where I was flying from, you know, Amsterdam to Hungary to, you know, Chicago and then back to LA, right? For a week and then there and then there, right? And, you know, I mean, you're making good money every day you fly in somewhere, you meet the most interesting people because this is the C-suite, right? They love you before, but they love you even more afterwards, right? So afterwards, of course, they say, hey, Fabian, what else can you help us with? And I'm like, I'm glad you asked. Right. And then I can kind of like, I'm never selling my services. I just say, yeah, I can, I can help with this, this, and this. And then I've got other services for, you know, like I've got other people for, for other services and that idea of not having to sell and that idea of, you know, living a life that is kind of, to me, at least balanced from, from an, you know, like from pushing yourself intellectually further while also still being able to create names and logos with my team, you know, like with my, with my, um, you know, partner in the company with, uh, with my creative lead. Um, I still get to geek out on that. I still get to create, you know, something beautiful. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely loving it. 
Yeah. So when, when you were traveling, like how, how, how many uh, of these workshops would you do a week? Would it be back to back or would it be one or two a week? Oh, no, 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 no. It's, no. I, I mean, you know, like the, the, the max I think I did in one week was three and that was craziness. Um, but, you know, I mean, and then you wake up at the end of the week and you're like, hey, I just made 40 grand or like 30 grand, you know, from just talking to people. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> like that alone yeah. made me as an entrepreneur feel really, really fantastic. Right. Um, but yeah, no, usually it's like it's it was like one a week, you know, um, maybe one every two weeks. Right. It's not all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, you know, there was there was a pretty good amount. And, and I I think I was always smart enough to to give buffer time, right? So if I fly to Amsterdam, I'm not going to be one of those, you know, sad business people, you know, that that sleep on the plane there, have a meeting and sleep on the plane back. No, I'm there for four days, right? You know, I'm going to concerts, I'm going to museums, I'm going to have a good time, right? I'm just going to work from my <laughs> laptop and check in. You know, yeah. if I go to Salt Lake City, no way I'm not going to go snowboarding for a day or two, right? <laughs> so I always did that and that always kind of like expanded it. But I think that's also a lifestyle choice. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 46 now. Um, and, you know, once you once you hit your your 40s, you know, I mean, things change. You just want to get more out of life, you know, and you just, mm. you don't want to just grind, right? Before then, grind away. I mean, that's it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm in the grind. I'm in the grind right now, man. Oh, don't stop. Um, you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. The cool. So now now you're, you're predominantly, yeah, um, enjoying yourself, writing books and, 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 spend, and spending a lot of time talking with big C-suite uh, executives and so forth. And then the other time you're sitting down with your, your creative and you're, you're looking at brand naming and, and logo design. Um, how long does that process typically take for you? So once you've done the workshop and then the client has expressed that they need support with visuals and, and design, is, is there like a typical process that you go through from that point? How does that look? Yeah, it's usually anywhere between one and three months. Um, you know, so we we relaunched uh, brands within four weeks, you know, which is awesome. And we love it. We love to go fast because the thing is going fast and in an uneducated fashion are two very different things, right? So if you have, if you have a certain background like I have from working in agencies, running my own agencies, understanding how things need to be done, we can totally do it quickly, right? Because we, we, we know how it needs to be done, right? Um, and I don't need to scramble to hire five freelancers and figure out how to do things. I'm like, no, we know except we're ready to go, right? Um, but, you know, usually for names, uh, you know, for names, it's two weeks, um, you know, to, to see the first names. And then, you know, if, if, we, if we hit the checkpot immediately, let's go, you know, that was it, two weeks. Um, but very often there's a back and forth, you know, there's some trademark stuff. And, you know, I mean, it takes a little time. And the same thing mm -hmm. with logos, right? I mean, we, I'm still, I still come from the school of presenting three logos. You know, I don't think clients should just get one, you know, not everyone is a salt bass, right? Um, you know, so I think, <laughs> I, think it, I think it's okay to give clients a certain choice so that they can actually say, well, this is the one we really like. Um, mm. And, you know, and then maybe there's another round, maybe there's refinements, but usually it's like anywhere between, you know, like two to four weeks and we're in a pretty good shape. Yeah. So I have a, que I have a few questions for you selfishly, just being a, you know, doing a lot of brand strategy myself with a lot of business owners and um, a few points that we get that we find like we would call sticky points that um, we're, we're now, we're now tinkering with our process of how can we improve our process to help support people with this. Um, the main one at this point in time is probably color. Um, we seem to do fantastic with logos, fantastic with mood boards and design and concepts. Color just uh, just seems to be something that's quite difficult to, um, yeah, really identify for people and really um, embrace, you know, how people can feel confident with the color. Because as you see in the market, a lot of people opt for, you know, a blue or they go black and white because it feels, it, it doesn't feel too risque. 
yeah, what's what's your advice for those business owners that are looking at either you know exploring colors and from from my perspective, how I might be able to help people navigate that a bit better? I mean, besides one of uh, one of my last clients that I've just worked with now, um, yeah. usually we never ever ever have a problem with colors, and and here's why. Teach me. Because, <laughs> yeah, Teach no, me. because yeah. because like because like everything like like everything it should be strategic, right? Because okay. colors, yeah. you know, like she hates pink, he loves green, he likes blue, and here they all are. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, people, it's not about you, it's about the audience, right? It's about them. Like, what would they like, right? So. What we what we do at the beginning of a logo presentation, we have um, we have a color wheel basically, right? We show a gradient that goes from one color to the very last color. All the colors are represented, and then we drop in all of the competitor logos, right? So oh, in the blue scheme, here here are three blue competitors. In this scheme, here are these, here are these, right? And of course, since we did the brand strategy work with them, we know who the top three or five competitors are. So we only focus on them. We put them in there, and then we say, look. Since everyone's in the blue and purple area and no one's in this green or red area, wherever it is, right? Um, we feel we we were only exploring this color or only exploring these two colors, right? You know, and given the personality of your brand as a friend and whatever it is, right? Like this, this color, the color green means amicable, blah, 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 blah. Right. So basically, before we even show anything, I basically told them which color they should choose and why and how it fits into the competitive. So at this point, it's basically data for them and it's not emotional anymore. So if if Joe really likes blue at this point, no one gives a crap about it, right? Because that's already out the window. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that... That really, 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 really helps. I mean, wow. that is usually we don't have color conversations after that, right? Like wow, okay. it's just like, yeah. I'm going to try that and I'll email you. I'll let you know how it goes. Because yeah, that seems to be the only snag. Everything else is is breezy. Um, but yeah, color seems to go back and forth quite a lot. And uh, it becomes a bit of a kerfuffle. So we were like, how can Never going to happen again. Never yeah. going to happen again, so just going to have nope. the color spectrum, pop the logos in and and Yeah, and just say, here's the space. This is, yeah. this is how we can differentiate. Everyone's here and that's why we want to be here. I love that. Brilliant. And, and the other thing is um, you talk a lot about the story and building the story behind the brands. Uh, there are a few things that you do as a part of your process to really help elicit a story. Like how, how do you, I guess, get up in front of a room of a C-suite and start putting the puzzle together of what what they could do to improve their story as a brand? You, you will be surprised by the answer. Um, I, I basically have an empty page and I say, tell me your story. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally yeah. have them tell me, your, tell, tell me their story, right? Yeah. Um, and I put it down in bullet points of what's important. Uh, okay. And then we start talking deeper about it, you know, like, like what is, you know, and it's like the founding story, right? But then mm. when it comes to the brand story, um, you know, very often that that is part of the positioning, right? When we really say, okay, well, why would people deeply care? What is that differentiator? What is that big? And you you may note it about me, right? But at the very, very end of all of these exercises, I, I basically bring the entire company down to one word or two words, right? Where I say, okay, now that we've done everything and we talked about the brand forever, how can we put that through a funnel so that at the end, one word comes out? Like your brand is all about, you know, whatever, empathy, right? Community, um, you know, whatever it is. And that to me is the kernel of story, right? Like that together with a better, with, 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 with a refined, uh, you know, everything, right? Like all, all, the, all the micro stories along the way. But that is really, if you tell someone our brand is about empathy, 
you know, and you said before, and I, I really like that, and I didn't comment on that, but the idea that everything you do for your clients needs to be soulful, I really like that because that says a lot. Like just the word soulful, right? Not soul, but soulful, right? Like to me, that says so much about the type of agency that I'm going to engage with. And it sets huge expectations of how I want to work with them. And there's going to be no quick emails, no crappy emails. It's going to be warm. It's going to be friendly. It's going to be really personal. You know, you would be, oh, oh, you know, I mean, I mean, I could even say you would be a motherly brand, right? Like it would be this real warmth around it, right? Um, and every project would feel that, right? And every brand that's created has that soul. And, but, but, but that to me is, that's the kernel. And out of that, I'm not writing stories. I'm not a copywriter. I'm not a marketer. I basically say, look, because I give you all these kernels, now you hire the right people or I help you hire the right people to now write long form stories and to actually, you know, do the whole story brand thing where you're the guide and you go through all of this, right? Like whatever, however you want to market, but there needs to be this kernel. And to me, the kernel is all that I'm interested in. That's also why as a designer, I'm only interested in the logo. I'm not interested mm. in, you know, how does the four team subpage on your website look? I really don't care, right? Yeah. But I really care yeah. about like, like what is that main entrance? How big is your entrance, right? Like how, how are you going to be unforgettable, you know, very quickly? And then the rest, you know, doesn't matter. Yeah, I love that. And, and yeah, I like, I like the idea of you're just trying to find a kernel and then that's going to spawn into something you know, obviously you're going through the workshop. So how, how do you narrow it down to one or two or three words? How, how, like, cause typically when we do a workshop, we're walking out with like, you know, sometimes 5,000 words of copy and we're, we're trying to figure out how do we, how do we really scale it down? Um, we, we can get it down to about six, but like, how, how do you get it down to one? How do you really do, you, do you tell the, the client where, where to take it? Or do you really try to elicit that, that from them? I, I really tried to get it from them, but, but, you know, like I did a workshop yesterday and I just couldn't shut up at the end and I'm like, I know it, I know it. Maybe you guys know too, but I know exactly what it is. Right. So I was intimidating them. Um, but then they came up with the same, with the same <laughs> word. Right. Yeah. Um, but so, so the way that it works and the way that I have my workshop, um, you know, uh, organized is that we very often do a similar exercise. Right. So for instance, mm the positioning statement is reflected in your mission and vision. It just makes sense, right? Because if you position your company a certain way, and if there's a certain why in your company, that why will be reflected in the mission, right? So suddenly you start saying the same two words in the next statement and in the next exercise. And there, there, are, there are words that as you go through eight hours that just keep clinging on, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like whatever <laughs> falls off, right? Of your 5,000 words that you mentioned, right? And in the end, it is so obvious. There's just going to be these, these couple of buzzwords that we kept using the entire time. Like that's what we stand for. That's what we are. That at that end, there's never that question of like, shit, what is it? Who are we? Right. Because that would be a humongous failure from my end. Right. That I'm like, if we still don't know who we are after all of this. Mm. And I mean, mind you not, that's like two, four hour slots. That's a lot of time. Right. A lot of, a lot of brand strategists, do, you know, do, do work in much, you know, much faster, you know, like two hour sessions, three hour sessions. The reason why I do it in eight hours is exactly that because it's never a problem because we talked so long and everyone remembers all of these words and they were all part of this creation that, that, that kernel of truth in the end just really appears very quickly. I love that. Yeah. Like our workshops are typically four or five and there are in, in almost every case. And I can, I can um, certainly, yeah, share that we typically have one or two buzzwords. So I think um, what you've highlighted for me is just to go back and reflect and think about how can I, how can I perhaps be more aware during a workshop to get 
to get them like to listen a bit a bit deeper of what keeps coming up again and again and, and like you said what yeah. falls out at the end of the, the workshop i, I mean really that's like that. that's yeah. i see that as the job of a brand strategist is is being a therapist and being there to listen and to guide right those are yeah. the two things yes we should think along the way yes we should but we are not there to position them they should position themselves and we're there to guide them to a successful positioning you know that they can that they can really own right because it comes from within you know mm. but if they come with a positioning that just really doesn't in my eyes resonate with the audience or doesn't feel genuine or doesn't feel differentiated enough then you got to push Right. And mm. that's why my workshop, I do the positioning at the very beginning just to yeah. roughen up the feathers. And then I do it at the very, very end again. Right. And we see how everything became much, much clearer, you know? Right. So yesterday in my workshop, there was one guy on the, wor in the, in the workshop and he's like, you know, I just wonder, it, it's such a long sentence, you know, and I'm like, okay, let me read you the sentence that we came up with yesterday morning, right? And that was the long one in the beginning. And it's literally, I mean, it was like a German sentence. I mean, it kept going and going and going and they started giggling and I still kept going and going and going, right? And I'm like, and that is brand clarity, right? Like you've got it down, you've got it down to as few words as possible to say it in the most deepest way possible right and i think editing mm. is what it's all about right i mean you you edit you edit design you edit copy um you have to edit your thoughts too right and if you have really edited thoughts then then you have a crystal clear vision oh, I like that thing. yeah so you got to edit the design edit the copy and also edit thoughts because a lot of times it's almost like the thoughts get in the way sometimes with with you know when you especially when you have multiple people in, in a workshop there's, there's back and forth. And, and I certainly believe that, you know, if you, if you have more than, you know, three people, eight hours is certainly necessary because that, that just seems to be more back, more bouncing around the room between different people and, and, and bringing everyone into one edited thought and one alignment. So I really appreciate that. I'm writing notes. Um, fantastic. You don't need to write notes. I, I heard that this is being recorded. <laughs> I know, but I, I love, I love writing notes because I retain it better. <laughs> um, I, I will retain it better, but I'm so grateful I am recording this. Um, yeah, so so Fabian, I think um, you, you've really ex expressed that well. But and then one thing I'm just I'm self auditing right now, thinking back to my workshops is yeah, I got to move positioning from toward the latter end to the start because I agree that's that's probably the most challenging part. And I think like you said, doing that first really um, shakes people up so that we can. Oh, it's an icebreaker. It's an icebreaker yeah. because suddenly the CEO can't from the beginning sit in the back saying, oh, it's branding stuff. I'm wasting my time because all eyes are on, on him or her. Right. Um, and right. everyone will be super excited that they're suddenly part of shaping the company in a way. Right. So everyone is going to be super invigorated. And then we're also going to realize that it's not perfect, that things are missing, that it doesn't sound great. And I'm like, excellent. Time's over. Let's move on. Right. But I don't ever need to do research of a company before I meet them ever because their website must be outdated right because otherwise they wouldn't even hire me right they must already disagree with most of that stuff so why even read it right um so instead of it you know i i have them do some competitive analysis i they send it to me so that i'm perfectly prepared right and i literally don't need to do anything but that positioning statement in the beginning with them because they just i mean it's just like it spills the guts out of the entire company emotionally in front of me. And I'm like, this is just so beautiful to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I've, 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 I've sat in a, a strategy before where the CEO gets up and leaves. You know, they're like, all right, you, you guys handle this. And I'm like, man, I really need that person to come back. So well, like, then, like you know, then you know yeah. that there's still some perfecting to do. And I think that after this, your clients will be in good hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like gonna like revolutionize 
with my strategy after this. Thank you so much for, for that, <laughs> that lesson. <laughs> um, so, so, so Fabian, uh, one thing that you mentioned, you talk about quite often is, is how you believe that, you know, if you go back to, um, you know, this, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, advertising was a big thing. And you talked about how advertising was quick storytelling in, in creative ways. Um, but in today's era, you're saying that um, people kind of can't get away with spinning a narrative that isn't true anymore. People, people are going to find out. Um, as you've seen happen with like, you know, makeup companies that are doing unethical things to animals and so forth. So um, you, you mentioned that you believe branding is replaced advertising. And I find that fascinating. And I'd just like to understand a bit more of your thought process behind that. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 kind of, you kind of already, you know, summarized it in a way, right? Because advertising in the traditional way, even now, right? Advertising is invasive, right? It's something that you never asked for and here it is, right? So that kind of sucks, especially in a world where you can cater everything to you, right? You know, the temperature where you are, you know, what your phone does and says, and if Siri talks to you or not, like everything, right? Yet advertising, it just kind of pops up. Back in the days, and I know you said 50s, 60s, 70s, I wasn't around back then, but, you know, like I, I was born in 75 and then like, you know, like in the 80s, I was big into advertising, but that then Benetton came out with like their crazy ads and everything was like really artistic and it was meaningful and it was, you know, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, reactionary, right? It was crazy. And so that's when I really fell in love with the idea of advertising. And I actually studied advertising and design at Art Center College of Design because I always loved the idea of manipulation. You know, like how can you manipulate a person's mind? Because my mind has been manipulated as I was growing up. I was a brand fanatic. I just, I was Nike and this and that, and I just loved brands, right? Um, and so I think that, uh, which obviously is good for my career. <laughs> you know, so, so, but, I, yeah. but, you know, adver advertising has this fake component, right? Mm. And branding in, in, in 2019, 2020, 2021 is not fake anymore. It's the exact opposite of fake, right? So, so, so branding is very intrinsic. It's very honest. It's very transparent. And I see more and more brands, very often the internet, you know, internet started brands, right? D2C brands, you know, brands where it's literally a founder that tells, you know, their, their story, right? Like, this is what I'm about. And this is what my company is about. Um, these brands, even if they grow into 500 people, you know, 1000 people, it never changes. It's always, it's always very authentic and it's very honest and it's very transparent. And that's, that's where branding is today. And that's where advertising is because advertising doesn't exist in the old form anymore. It's really just an extension of branding. You know, I believe yeah. that a lot of companies go to ad agencies today and they say, I don't, I don't want that shit that you're doing. Here's what I want. <laughs> you know, like I want, I want, <laughs> yeah. I want our values that we share with our audience to spill over. Right. I want them to feel what our product is about. You know, instead mm. of for us to tell them that, you know. Yeah, I agree. This is and, how and, much you know, it is. And, and <laughs> peop there's people out there like, you know, obviously Simon Sinek, but I, I mean, if you look at Seth Godin, Seth Godin's really pioneered that thought process as well. You know, he was he was blogging as soon as emails kind of became became a thing. Um, so you, you believe that the internet has really pushed people probably away from advertising because I guess people got over advertising very quickly because of the internet. People were just throwing ads up everywhere. And and now you now you're seeing it shift more into uh, the, the the value of the story. Do you see it evolving again anytime soon, or do you think it's going to be here for a while? 
Well, and just just to correct one of one of the thoughts, because because I, I don't think that it's necessarily because of the Internet. You know, I think that okay. people would sooner sooner or later, people would have gotten sick. Yeah. of being bombarded with advertising, right? Like if, it, if it's on billboard in the newspapers, wherever, people would just have gotten sick. And, and I think that, mm. you know, as, as this world <laughs> has gone to shit, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, <laughs> yeah, um, dude. you know, politically yeah. and environmentally and, you know, you name it. And, you know, it is incorrect what I just said, because now we just know about it. It always happened, right? But now that we know about mm. all of these things because, because of the internet, right? Now that we know about all these things that are going away, um, you know, the next generation is born into seeing this shit show. And they're like, you know what? I'm not signing up for that. I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm, I'm going to only um, become a part of a brand that actually cares, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that every brand needs to be a buy one, give one brand or, you know, huge charity brand, but brands that first and foremost care about me, right? So, so a brand that aligns with my values, that talks my language, that likes me the way that I like the brand. And that sounds so silly if I would have heard myself say that 10 years ago, right? But it is really like that. And you know it, right? Because if I go through my Instagram feed, I'm happy to see ads. Why? Because those are brands that are targeting me for a reason because I'm their guy. And I'm like, great, show me more brands. I'm, I'm totally happy with that. I learn about products, right? It's a very different way of being able to engage with a customer. But you know, the D2C brands that are reselling an Amazon product that has no soul and they pop up in my stream too, that's the old school advertising. And that's the, mm. you know, you yeah. swipe that off very quickly. Yeah, I agree with you. Do you, um, do, can you list a few brands right now that you think are really I guess, pioneering and innovating in this space where they're really doing a great job connecting with the new generation and, and really getting their story out there in a unique way. Is there anyone that comes to mind? You know, I mean, there, 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 are, plenty, there are plenty of brands. I mean, you, you know, I wrote this book called Bigger Than This and I went on the journey to look for those brands that don't differentiate at all from a product level, but they differentiate on an emotional level, right? Mm. And, you know, I mean, you know, and, and, and I've, got, I've got my podcast where I talk to, to founders and I mean, I talked to a founder of a company called Liquid Death um, and Liquid Death is a water company. It's a bottled water, actually not bottled, it's canned. It's a canned water company and they're called Liquid Death. And they are, no pun intended, killing it, killing it. Because they realized he comes from the punk band skateboard background, right? He also went to Art Center like I did. And, um, and he said, you know what? Kids at clubs, when they go to punk shows and when they go to concerts, they should drink more water, right? I mean, water is just not cool. Let's create a water that is so cool that kids love it, right? And you know what? Let's make sure that it's going to be in, in aluminum because it's the most easy to recycle, you know, um, thing. And it's actually going to save the world. But instead of being the save the world brand, you know, the aluminum, he's got this skull on it and it looks so freaking cool. Right. And so everyone, you know, like if you see someone with the water, you, you think they're drinking a cool microbrewery, you know, like ale. Right. Um, and but that's brand thinking. That's like a strategy of going against the grain, but finding a small audience and knowing that they will love that because it's so totally crazy, right? And it's so perfect for them. And they are doing insanely well, right? So, I mean, they're, they're a brand, you know, that does it well, but there's so many other brands, right? They're really boring brands too that, 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 that create really cool stuff. There's a brand called Poppin, you know, and they just came on the marketplace to basically say, look, Office 
office uh, tchotchkes, office furniture and office, uh, you know, um, you know, utensils like, you know, staple staplers and, you know, pens and all of that stuff that you get in, in an office depot. All of them are either gray or white and they're boring and they're ugly and they're all made in China. Why don't we do the same thing and we just give it color? We give it really cool pastel colors and so that if Fabian's company is this certain kind of red color, he can have stationery and everything for all of his employees and everything is in that red, right? Like if you are that and suddenly, I mean, just because this, they put a splash of color into people's lives where otherwise it's a really boring life in the office, right? They were loved, right? And then, but then they carried that through everything. They carried it through their emails, right? They carried it through, right? And so, but there are so many companies like that, you know, and the more that I talk to founders on my podcast, the more I'm amazed of how much soul there is in companies, right? And, and like how much they actually, um, you know, really are transparent and care about stuff. And it's really the next, it's the next, it's the next generation, you know, and now that I'm building my own new company and it's in, in the product space, it's, it has nothing to do with brand strategy or branding, right? It's like me coming up with a product, which is completely crazy, right? But going through that process to me is just absolutely fascinating, right? Because now I have to test all that stuff that I preach, <laughs> you know, and now I suddenly have to, I have to make sure I check off my 470 tips, right? And I actually become that authentic product brand myself. And it seems like it's easy, but it's actually not, right? Because everyone says, well, just be yourself and be transparent and all of that. But there's still guardrails and you still have to do it in a really, really, you know, smart way. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see myself, uh, you know, fall flat on my face. And uh, you wow, know, it, there I goes that. that. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can we get a hint of what that new product you're doing is? Um, you can get a hint and that's all because I'm, I'm, I'm still filing for <laughs> patents um, and we're still designing the actual product, but it is in, uh, it is in the music space. Uh, it is in the, in the record vinyl, um, you know, space. Uh, and it's about uh, storage. It's a storage solution. It sounds very unsexy the way that I say it, but boy, this thing is going to be very, very sexy and very expensive. So it's going to be a cool, it's going to be a cool luxury brand. Wow. I'm really excited to see that. And I, and I trust someone with your savviness and your swagger and skill and ability to, to adapt in the market. I'm, I'm sure to be successful and I look forward to purchasing whatever it is. Um, Fabian, <laughs> you've, you've given me a generous amount of your time for which I'm, I'm very appreciative. Um, what we would love to do is uh, we'll put a graphic up here um, of, of your books and an affiliate link where people uh, who are listening to this can click on it. If, if you're listening to this on YouTube, um, you can click through. And, and if you're listening to it on a podcast, I will put a link through for the books in there as well. But yeah, you have fantastic books. Um, I, I have them coming on the way from Amazon currently. Uh, I'm excited to dive into them and, and read them. And you also have a course as well. Um, if you wanted to give people a, a brief insight of what, what they could get from your course if they were to embark upon it. I mean, the course, you know, at some point I decided that the brand workshop that I do, that I should just kind of make it public, right? That I should basically take the course and tape the entire thing as if you are the client in the room. So I literally have these video courses that don't talk to you as a strategist, but that says you as an entrepreneur and here's what we need to do. Um, and I find it extremely valuable because you can basically steal my stuff. <laughs> But you don't steal it because you have to pay for it, right? But you pay this tiny little amount in comparison. Um, and then you can take the pieces that you like, you know, you can make them yours, you can take the whole thing, but basically you can start, you can start, um, you know, getting your feet wet and brand strategy and creating these workshops and, and hosting workshops like I do. And I just, the reason why I do it is because I, well, first, because of the next generation, because I think um, they deserve it. But on the other hand, because I feel that 
I have it down because I've done it 160 something times now. So I know it works. <laughs> you know, this is not like, some, <laughs> like I know this stuff works. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that's what it is. It's my entire brand framework. Wow. Yeah. And, and I know I'm, I'm purchasing it this week and I'm excited to embark upon that journey as a client with you. And uh, I look forward to stealing everything you give. So I'll, I'll be, I'll be the first to take that. Um, Fabian, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful. I've had a lot of fun. Thanks for sharing your story. And uh, thanks for diving into branding with us. And, and I hope to talk to you again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Awesome.